0: Um, and, and listen, I'm just blown away. I'm blown away at at what God's done here over the last five years. And I I hope that you never take for granted what God has done here because this is not normal and it's not happening everywhere and it's unique and it's, and it's, and it's awesome and it's special. And you guys are getting a chance to have a front row to watch what God is doing in Kansas city here, here in Lee's summit. But, uh, here's my hunch and and I'm just going to say this, the best is yet to come. You guys haven't even begun to scratch the surface of what God's getting ready to do with Journey Church International. And uh, the best things that this church will accomplish, I want you to know, so much great stuff in the videos, but the best things are not behind you, they're in in front of you. They're right in front of you. Now, my hope for being here this morning is to help you see that. And I want to help get you ready for that. I hope that when I'm done here, maybe you leave a little bit inspired I um, just listening to Christian last night, he took me to a Royals game. And by the way, I just want you to know, every time I come here, the Royals win. So I don't know how y'all want to work that out as you get into this season where you're not making the playoffs and neither is my team, by the way, but maybe I need to come a little bit more. I don't know, Christian, but just listening to his vision last night at the game, last night driving around, even this morning, I mean, it's Huge it is it's huge and i'm sure he shared most of it with you and and i want you to be ready for what god has next well in order to inspire you here's what i want to do i want to look at a very familiar story in the bible in joshua chapter 1 if you have a bible i want you to get to it if not they'll have the verses on the screen let me give you a little background on the story we're just going to jump right into it uh the jewish people are on the east side of the jordan uh they have just well, let me let me back up a little bit they've been slaves in egypt for for over 400 years They've been wandering in the desert uh, for now 40 years. If you saw the movie, God parted the Red Sea. He took them across. Now they've wandered. It's actually in the Bible. But God has told them, listen, you're going to inherit what what he has called the promised land. It's a It's a piece of land. It's a homeland for the Jewish people. But in order for them to get it, they have to cross over the Jordan River. The Israelites are on the east side of the Jordan. If they're going to claim what God has promised, then they have to cross over and take it. In other words, the land is already theirs. But they've got to get a few million people across this fairly large, fast-moving river. Some of you have probably been there physically. You've seen it. And they're actually going to have to defeat some very hostile people groups that live on the other side. And so they have this huge, daunting task in front of them. Now, remember this. Joshua has not been the leader. Moses has been the leader for forty years, but Moses—he's—he's not the guy that's going to lead them into the promised land. He's—he's going to be uh, not going to be the guy to lead them across the river, and he's not going to be the guy to lead them into battle. Someone else is actually going to do that. Some of you may be asking, well, what happened to Moses? Why why doesn't he get to lead? Well. Uh, you don't need to look there, but in Numbers chapter 20, I'm just going to tell you what happens. The Israelites, they're short on water, they're complaining, they're upset about it, and they begin to, uh, to complain to God. So Moses uh, goes to God and he says, hey, we've got a problem here. And God says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to speak to this rock, and when you speak to this giant rock, it's going to produce water for the Israelites, but instead, Moses, as he had done in the past, he gets upset at the Israelites because they're complaining, complaining, they're whining, and so he hits the rock twice with a stick. And, and and God tells Moses, listen, because you did not honor me in front of the people, and because you did not actually believe what I told you to do and you did something else, you hit the rock instead of speaking to the rock, he said, I'm going to bring you water, but you're not you're not going to go into the land. You'll see the land, but you're never going to enter into the land. So in Numbers chapter 27, God tells Moses to anoint Joshua to be the, the new leader of the nation of Israel. And I'm going to read it to you. Moses did as the Lord commanded him. He took Joshua and had him stand before Eleazar, the priest, and the whole assembly. Then he laid hands on, on him and he commissioned him as the Lord instructed through Moses. So in the last chapter, we get into Deuteronomy, and the Lord takes Moses up onto Mount Nebo, He shows him the entire promised land, and then the Bible says Moses dies. At the ripe age of 120 years old, Moses is buried right there. And in verse uh, verse 9 of chapter 34, it says, Now Joshua, son of Nun, was filled with the spirit of wisdom because Moses had laid his hands on him. So the Israelites listened to him and did what the Lord had commanded Moses. Now, we get into Joshua chapter 1, and here's what we're going to pick up. We're going to start reading right here. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord says to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aide, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all of these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. So, in other words, he, says, he tells Joshua, he says, Joshua, you're the man. You are now the leader. The land is yours. The the victories ahead of you, they're already won. They're your victories. And, And here's what you need to do to get ready to cross over to claim the land. Here are my instructions to claim victory. First of all, Moses, I want you to expect me. Expect God to do greater things than you've seen Him do in the past. Now, as far as instructions go, that's a pretty great place to start, isn't it? Expect God to do greater things. Now, think for a moment of what Joshua must have been thinking and what he's already experienced in his life. I mean, he was on the journey when God used Moses to part the Red Sea and to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt. He was part of that. One of two that actually saw that happen much younger at the time. He watched God lead the people with a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night so they could travel anytime they wanted to. Joshua was there when Moses went up to meet God on the mountain face to face, to get the Ten Commandments. I mean, he saw Moses come down from the mountain with a glowing face because Moses had been in God's presence. Joshua watched God miraculously provide water for the people. He watched him provide manna from heaven to feed the people. He saw God do the unbelievable, the miraculous. So how in the world... Could anything ever be better or more amazing than what he's already seen? And and let's be honest, how in the world, in his mind, is he ever going to match up to the leadership of Moses? I mean, you could almost put money on the fact that Joshua was overwhelmed with the task. I'm sure that he had moments of fear and self-doubt. And the people had to be wondering, I mean, can this guy really lead us into the unknown? Because we've got some unknown things coming in front of us. Does this guy truly have what it takes? And what about this new land we're getting ready to go into? I mean, we've heard the people on the other side of the Jordan are like giants. We'll never be able to defeat them. It's so easy at times to get buried with thoughts and questions like this, isn't it? it? To allow your emotions of fear and doubt to just overtake your mind, even after you've already seen God do the miraculous. And we all do that, don't we? I mean, But notice in verse 2, God doesn't. He doesn't bring up past victories. He doesn't remind uh, Joshua of of past miracles. God never tells Joshua to act or think like Moses. Instead, he says, "Listen, my servant Moses. As he's dead." You're the guy, you're the leader, you're the one I've chosen. Now get yourself ready to lead the people into the land, to, to, to get ready to, to take on what's next. In other words, what's going, what, what's ahead is going to be greater than anything you've seen in the past. So get ready for this. Expect me to do greater things than you've ever seen me do before. As Christian mentioned a moment ago, when Amy and I uh, first met Christian and Danielle, they had come to visit Westridge Church. It was in January 2011. Um, my assistant had told me they were coming. I had never met them before, knew a little bit about them. We took them out to Buffalo Wild Wings afterwards. And I'm listening to his heart. I'm listening to Danielle. I got a chance to meet their kids, Christian and Casey. And, and we're, we're just, we fell in love with this couple. I mean, it was awesome. They were only 19 and 17 at the time, really young. And so we we're like, this is five years ago. And we're like, we believe in this couple. And you just, we knew that God was going to do something amazing. We knew that great things were about to happen. And now to watch what God has done here, listen, is nothing short of miraculous. Nothing short of miraculous. And there's no doubt that God has his hand on this church. I mean, he's placed Journey Church International in this community for a very specific time, for a very specific purpose, for a very specific mission, for a very specific reason. And like every other church, first and foremost, and I love this, this church has been called to make disciples of the people that live here in Lee Summit, but but that's happening. My goodness, I mean, listen to what 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 you've already experienced. But the vision that God has given Christian and the leadership of this church, listen, it's awesome. It's it's audacious. It's it's gigantic. It's hairy. It, it's 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 it, it it involves a vision to reach people far from God, all over this community and the country and this world. But as great as the first five years have been. I want to challenge you to walk out of here today believing God for even greater things than you've seen or experienced in the past. Believe God that he's going to do greater things ahead of you. Now, the next thing I want to challenge you to do is to live above your circumstances. Look at verse three for a moment. The Lord tells Joshua, he says, I will give you every place where you set your foot as I promised Moses. Your territory It will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the great sea in the west. Listen, remember, Moses has just died. The Lord is telling Joshua, take the people to where they'd never been before. Take them into a land called Canaan. Now, there's something you need to know about the land of Canaan. In Numbers chapter 13... Moses sends 12 spies, one person from each of the 12 tribes of Israel. He sends them into Canaan to check out the land, check out the people that live there. And he asks for a report. He says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to bring me back some food. I want you to tell me about the soil. I want you to meet, We want to know if you can plant there. I want to know about the people. Are they big? Are they strong? Tell me about the walls of their city. Are they fortified? Tell me everything we can, you can know. Give me a detailed report. Two of the spies come back, Joshua and Caleb. They come back with a positive report. They tell Moses, listen, the food's great. I mean, we've had it. I mean, the the grapes, the pomegranates, the almonds, the the dates, the nuts, they're they're awesome. Here's some. We're going to give you some grapes. Here you go. The people are strong. They're actually like giants. But, But listen, Moses, with God on our side, we can take them. Ten others come back, scared to death. They give a negative report to Moses and to the people of Israel. They report that the people are so big they felt like grasshoppers compared to them. When the people of Israel heard this report, they became scared to death of Canaan. Here they are standing on the east side of the river. And I'm sure Joshua remembered the painful experience of that mission to Canaan. I'm sure he remembered the the negative words of the other spies and how how the the Canaanites were, were like giants and how the Jewish people would be devoured if they ever went up against them in their own land. I'm sure Joshua remembered how frightened the children of Israel were when they heard about the report and how out of fear. Listen, they actually threatened to kill Moses if he didn't take them back into Egypt, back into slavery. Think about that for a moment. Now he hears, Now here he is with this awesome, tremendous responsibility of leading several million nervous, anxious, unsettled, complaining people into a hostile land where they've never been before. Listen, that would be enough to scare anyone. Did I mention to you that at this moment Joshua was 80 years old? He's 80 years old. But listen to how God encouraged Joshua in spite of these overwhelming, overwhelming circumstances. He actually made a promise to him. He said, Joshua, you and the people are going to inherit the land. Matter of fact, I will give you every place you set your foot, just as I promised Moses. Now, that's a pretty solid promise, wouldn't you say? I mean, everywhere your foot touches, it's going to be yours, God had already told Joshua and the Israelites, listen, the land, it's yours. He was very specific about it. He said, all you have to do is step out and claim it. All Joshua and the people had to do was to keep moving in faith. Don't stop in fear. Cross over the Jordan and the land will be yours. Now listen, God did not tell them exactly how it was going to happen. He just told them it was going to happen. Now don't you just wish that you could feel that same kind of assurance with the challenges you're facing in your life? I mean, some of you in this room right now, you you may be facing a personal circumstance in your marriage or with your kids or with your finances. I mean, it's just overwhelmed you. You may be looking ahead at your future with just fear and uncertainty. Listen, God is faithful. He has called you to trust him with your overwhelming circumstances. He's called you to keep moving forward in spite of your doubts, in spite of your overwhelming fears. He's actually made some promises to help us live above our circumstances, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, I love what Paul says. He says, praise be to the the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in what? In Christ, in Christ Jesus. In other words, he promises that every spiritual blessing in heaven is already yours because of Jesus. In other words, regardless of what challenges you're facing, Regardless of what you're going through today, whatever it looks like, God has given you everything you need through your relationship with Christ to not only endure it, but to deal with it and to live above it. And Journey Church, listen, God, God has already promised to give you everything you need in this community to reach this community, to reach Kansas City, to reach Kansas, to reach Missouri, to reach your to do your part to reach the United States and the rest of the world for Jesus Christ. It's already yours. In other words, nothing is lacking. It's all yours in Christ. He's already given you everything you need to endure, anything that you're going to face in the future. He's He's commissioned you. He's equipped you. He's promised to empower you with the presence and the power of his Holy Spirit to fulfill the great commission. And he's all about the vision of this church. You say, how much is he on board? Well, second Corinthians chapter one, verse 20 says, for no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. In other words, God is still not just a promise maker. He's still a promise keeper. And when you line yourself up, I don't, whether it's in this church or with your family, when you line yourself up with what's on his heart, which is reaching people far from God and helping them to be disciples, passionate Christians, he says amen to that promise. He says amen to that. His promises are yes to that plan. And you are going to have moments as a church when you can't see how something's going to happen. You may have some moments where you're going, I, we, we can't feel his presence. We can't feel it. Listen, we, we, you may have moments where, where you, where you, you're just not sure exactly what's, you know, going on. But listen, that's where you lean in. That's where you trust him like never before. That's where you, you trust his character. You trust this line of faithfulness that has run through the last five years of this church. You trust his promises. You trust his ability. You trust his, his word and you draw close to him. James chapter 4 verse, verse 8 says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. That doesn't, mean, that doesn't just mean that God wants to, to, to be near you. It means when you draw close to him, he will carry your burdens. He will be your strength. He will be your courage. He will be your protector. He will make a way when you can't see through it. And if you're going to live above your circumstances in your life, you need to draw close to the Lord and rely on his promises. And then the third thing, trust in the Lord for courage. Look at verse 5. No one will be able to stand up against you, Joshua, all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. Write that down. I'll never leave you. I will never forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land. I swore to their forefathers to give them. Be strong and courageous. Verse 9, have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And then he just says one more time in verse 18. And by the way, did I tell you, be strong and courageous. Now, four times God tells Joshua, be strong and courageous. Now, God must have known that Joshua needed to hear those words more than once. The Lord must have known that Joshua was a a little bit overwhelmed with his new job description. Now, listen, we know from the past, Joshua was a brave man, He'd already proven this to Moses. God had confidence in him, in, in him. Moses had confidence in him. The people had confidence in him. But when the ball was put in his hand and it was his turn to lead the team, Joshua just needed a little bit more encouragement from the Lord. This may have been what we call a crisis of belief moment in Joshua's life. Because why else would God have to tell him four times in this one chapter, be strong and courageous? You ever had a crisis of belief moment in your life? You ever had a moment where God lays an opportunity out in front of you to do something and you accept it with excitement and at the last moment, just when you're getting ready to jump into it, you're just overcome with fear and doubt. Do I have what it takes? Everything inside of you wants to run. Everything inside of you wants to go, whoa, I think I committed, overcommitted myself. Listen, there are always two voices speaking inside of us. The voice of fear and the voice of faith. One is the shout of fear. The other is the whispering of God. I remember my senior year of high school, uh, I played high school and two years of college baseball. And uh, I actually lived for five years of high school and two years of college in Arlington, Texas. And uh, my senior year of high school, we were playing our city rival, which was Arlington High School. And I went to Bowie, which was on the south side of Arlington. And uh, the, the starting shortstop on Arlington High School's team was a, was a kid by the name of Billy Martin Jr., Now, I don't know if that means anything to you, but back in the day, his dad, Billy Martin, was a pretty famous, not only former Yankee, but a famous coach who I think he may have been on on his fifth, that 20th stint as a manager of the Yankees at the time. I don't remember, but we knew before the game that Billy Martin was coming to the game to watch his son play ball, and I was the starting pitcher of that game. And I was so jacked up. I mean, I remember driving over in, in the bus. I mean, well, I was amped. I'm going to get a chance to p- pitch in front of Billy Martin, and he's going to be there. And so I got on the side mound, went through the whole warm-ups, and I was, I mean, I'm just throwing probably harder than I've ever thrown in my life. And I get on the, out on the mound to throw the first pitch of our, our my, my turn to pitch. And I get what we call in Georgia, and I think you all call it here, what's called the yips. You ever heard of the yips before? The yips mean that you are so fearful, you are so overwhelmed with what's in front of you, I could not let go of the ball. So, I mean, I'm going through my wind-up, and the ball will not come out of my hand. It literally, I throw it, it lands right in front of me. And my coach, who was far from being a Christ follower, who had quite a vocabulary, most of his words were like four letters, he came out, this is back in the early 80s when you wouldn't get sued for this kind of stuff, he came out on the mound, and he's in my face yelling at me. He's spitting tobacco on my shoes. And I'm not, I'm not, I swear I'm not lying. And he, and he's trying to get in my grill. And so I, I, I say, okay, okay, coach, coach, I'm good, I'm good. And Billy Martin is now, he, he is sitting behind home plate, behind the fence. Every pitch I'm throwing, I feel like he's scouting me, which he's not, but he's there. And so I'm winding up, I'm throwing, and now I'm one hopping it to the plate. That still doesn't work, by the way. I don't know if you've ever watched a ball game. Nobody one hops and gets a strike. He walked, my coach walks out, takes the ball out of my hand. One of the most humiliating moments of my life, and he gives it to another guy. Listen to me. God's calling this church to do something great for his kingdom. Matter of fact, every one of you has been called to live out God's purpose for your life. He gives every one of us an opportunity to make a mark for this world, to do something that's going to outlast you, to leave a legacy. But some of you are fearful. Some of you, you're paralyzed in fear. Whether, whether it's with this church, whether it's personally, whatever. You say, how do I get through those moments where, when, when, when I'm just paralyzed in fear? I got a case of the yips. What, what do I do? Here's what you do. You just keep going back to the deep well of your relationship with God. I'm going to be honest with you. I when I wake up on Sunday mornings I am almost scared. I've been doing this for 28 years and I'm still frightened to stand up in front of people like this. And I have to get before the sun lights up the sky I am in my study I am in God's word I am on my knees I am journaling in prayer when I when my my attention's all over the place I am I am just pleading with God I'm drawing from what I know about who I am in Christ. I'm reminding myself of who I am in Christ. I'm dying to myself and I'm letting His Spirit fill me because that's where my courage comes from. That's where my courage comes from. Before I ever walk into, and I just did it out there, I will always say the same words, Lord, this is not an audience to be feared, but a family to be loved. I say it every time I come out here because I just don't have the courage within myself to even stand here. It's all from the deep well of my relationship with God. And that's where your courage is going to come from as well, no matter what God's called you to do. Listen, Journey Church, God is calling you to tackle a huge vision. It's huge. But it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be comfortable. Everyone needs to be all in. Everyone needs to be serving. Everyone needs to be giving. Everyone needs to be inviting your lost friends to be part of what God is doing here. It's going to take work. It's going to take sacrifice. It's going to take some courage. You're going to have to trust God like never before. You're going to need to draw courage from him. You're going to have to take some advice from the great theologian John Wayne who said courage is being scared to death but saddling up anyways. We actually have that on, on, our, on our refrigerator in our home, that, that saying. And then the fourth thing that, that God gave Joshua, he said, listen, you've got to choose to live under the Lord's commands. Verse 7, he said, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right, to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let the book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. And, and then he says this, then you'll be prosperous and you'll be successful. God told Joshua, listen, if you ever want to cross over and experience the victory that you, that you, that you, I'm promising, you, you need to obey one command. Obey my word. And God didn't leave any ifs, ands, or buts about it. He just said he was pretty straightforward. He said, Joshua, I'm going to be with you all the time. You can count on me. I will give you the strength. I will give you the courage. I'll give you the wisdom you need. But you have to obey my words. In other words, don't turn from it. Right or left. Don't leave it behind. Keep it in front of you. Follow it. And then only then will you be able to be successful. God's telling Joshua right here, the the ability to see greater things than they've ever seen before, the ability to live above their circumstances, the key to incredible courage was found in their obedience to God's word. And remember this, Joshua only had, he only had the first five books of the Old Testament. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Moses had been writing them. God gave them the law. And God says, take it. He says, Joshua, here's the ultimate key to crossing over and claiming the promised land. Joshua, here's the key to not just yours, but the people's intimacy with me. It's the key to victory. Joshua, obey my word. This church will be successful if the people of this church live in obedience to God's word. Knowing this book, living this book out. Is the secret to overcoming everything that you're going through? It's the secret to getting your life ready to cross over into whatever God has in front of you, into crossing over into victory. I love what David writes in Psalm chapter one, nineteen, verse eleven. He says, "I've hidden your word in my heart, Lord, so that I might not sin against you." I tell my boys, Taylor and Zach, who are both in college now, guys. I say, "Guys, the key to happiness is obedience. The key to keeping God's hand on your life is obedience." And for Joshua, the key to God's promises were just simply obedience. Joshua, if you will do these things, here's the five things I promise you. Joshua, I'm going to give you the land. Stay with me. I'm going to give you the land. Joshua, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to protect you from your enemies. The, 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 the battles are already won. I promise you that I'm going to be with you. I promise you that you're going to be successful and you're going to be prosperous. I'm not I mean, going to fill your pockets and give you huge houses. I'm going to make you successful in what I've called you to do. And I promise you, if you keep my word, I will be with you. You say, what does that equal? Here's what it equals. It equals God's provision, God's power, and God's presence. God's provision, God's power, and God's presence. I love that. I need that in my life. Don't you need that? God's power, God's provision, God's presence? God's protection? He says, listen, if you'll obey my word and not turn from it, I'll give you my provision. I will give you my power. I will continue to to, to give you my presence. What an incredible promise. That's not just a promise for this church. I want you to know that is a promise for you. It's a promise as you move into this new building, as you celebrate five years, as you prepare for this amazing future. Live expecting great things. God, the, the best part of this church is ahead of you. I want you to know that. Live above your circumstances. Trust God for courage. Draw deep from the well of His presence every morning. Choose to live under His commands. And God says, when you do that, here's what you can count on. My power, my provision, and my presence. Let's bow our heads for a moment.